You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. This morning, we are in a series um, that we take a break about twice a year. We, we are usually in a book. We've been in Philippians. We have stopped for just a little bit. We go verse by verse. And then we take a break, and we'll take about four or five weeks and do something that's a little more topical, but still verse by verse or from a passage of Scripture. And so we're in a series right now, Your Gospel is Too Small. And so we are, are preaching messages around that. And so my message this morning is, The Gospel Grants More Than Immediate Relief. The Gospel Grants More Than Immediate Relief. We'll be in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Who was given to us. Let me pray for us, and then we will begin. Father, thank you again for this time. We ask that you come, that you are here, and by the power of your Spirit, as even Isaac said earlier in the morning, may you do a work in each of our hearts. May you expose, may you encourage, I pray that this morning, that as we look at your word, that it is, it, this will bring hope in us, that we will leave here more hope, more encouraged, more in who we are, and what you have done for us. And so we're just taking a small glimpse at just this aspect of the gospel and the results of the gospel in our lives. And so we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We pray for the one who may not know you today as Savior and Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. Thank you for saving us. We know it's strictly, clearly a gift has already been read earlier. We love you. Commit this time to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Paul has spent the first four chapters of Romans building up to this therefore. We always know when there's a therefore, it's because of what came before that. So he's pointing back and going, Paul had been covering the righteous and living by faith. They shall live by faith and that God's wrath is on the unrighteous. Those who aren't saved, God's righteous judgment will be accomplished and it will be righteous. It'll be perfect. It'll be right. God's righteousness will be upheld. No one is righteous. He spends his time and none of us are righteous. No, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. God seeks after us. And so there's no one who is righteous. There's no way to get to that righteousness by works. It's by faith and it's grace. So he's spending all his time in building for this justification The righteousness of God through faith. And he goes into the story of Abraham. 
and how he was justified by faith. That was counted to him as righteousness. And the promise realized through that faith. So he gets to this point where we're now in chapter 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. You heard earlier in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, the picture of the gospel. This is who we are. We are children of wrath. We are enemies of God. We are at war. Um, so you, you have this, and then the gospel comes and it says, But God, being rich in mercy, with this great love that He loved us, that He sent His Son to die on the cross, lived a sinless life, shed His blood, took the penalty, took the wrath of God, poured out on Him to be satisfied for those who will be saved. And that is the work that He has done. And then not only that, that He died, but that He rose again, that He is alive. He is living. No one ever in history has done this. And it's what makes our Christianity, our belief, very different. Christ is alive. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for everybody in this room and for all over the world. This great work, he says, have you been justified by faith? That's a question to you this morning. Have you been justified by faith? Are you, would you tell me that you are a follower of Christ this morning? That you have had a time where you realized that this is what has happened, that I was a sinner, there's no hope. And yet I took by faith, placed my trust in Christ and the work that He has done and He has saved me. He has washed me clean by His precious blood. Are you a believer today? If not, don't leave this place without talking to somebody and at least pursuing more of hearing this gospel message because this is what we're looking at today. And it's not just this gospel message for salvation it doesn't stop there, and so we're going to take just a little bit, because this, this just scratches the surface, but we're going to take from this text, going, what are the results of this gospel? What are the results of this salvation? I will say this, and I generally say it, and I had somebody approach me one of the other times, and I said, I got it. I, I think I made them feel guilty about not being here for ABF. ABF meaning a, a just, you know, Adult Bible Fellowship is something we do at 915 in here. And then we have teaching for the children and for the kids and for the high schoolers and middle schoolers. And so it's an hour that we have before our time of worship together. Nothing could have set this message up any more better than we looked at. What is your identity in Christ? What is it that, that, that God has done for us? In the way that we live and in, in those things that He has done for us in this salvation by being justified by faith. We're going to look at four aspects, four results of this, um, this justification and what God has done this morning out of these verses. And the first one will be, I'm going to do four because if you're new here, we, we, Pastor Rush usually does most of the preaching and he's very succinct about he got one point. He's got application, illustration. Um, you've got an application at the end, rather. And so everybody's always looking. Those are taking notes for community group. Boom. Like I, you know, Kevin and Isaac always struggle with this. So I'm just going to let you know on the front end, you're going to get four points and one application. Okay? So it's going to be simple. Four points. First one. 
Through Jesus, the one who has purchased his salvation, who has made this justification possible in our lives, we have peace with God. As you heard in Ephesians 2 this morning, we're children of wrath. We're enemies of God. You see it through Scripture that we are against them. You're at war with God if you don't know Christ, that you haven't been saved. You may not realize that, but that's what the Scriptures teach us, and it's why it's important that you make this known, this unrighteousness, these four chapters before this, of what Paul builds to, to say, well, you're, you're in a bad state, and this is, this is a bad state that will go on for eternity. There is a judgment, there is a righteous judgment that will fall on those who do not know Jesus. And you don't hear a lot of it preached, but it's an eternity in hell. There is torment, there is suffering for all eternity. So if you don't get this message, and we don't get this message out to those so that they can hear, this is their destiny. And this is where we are. Before this justification, there is this wrath. We're enemies of God. We're at war with God. There's punishment coming. And in this, we have been given peace. Peace. Jesus said before, I come to make peace. I come to reconcile those to Christ. And so in our justification, we have peace with God. That's, you, you have to know the bad part for that to mean much to you. And the more that you know this and recognize this peace that God has given to us, the more it affects the way we live, the more it affects the way that you approach God. This will be important as we get to the end of this message in that we're going to talk about tribulation. We're going to talk about trials. And there's, there'll be questions there. But this is extremely important that I know that I can go to God and there's peace. There's no enmity here. There is love. There is grace. There is all the things that we will see here that's been given to us. And so peace is extremely important. In John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus as He's leaving and He's promising, I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and, and, let it, and nor let it be fearful. That should change us. We don't have to fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm giving you this peace. And what he's going to do, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. You'll see that as part of, this is the working that God does. And you'll see it in verse 5. Peace. We have peace with God. Those who have been justified, we have peace with God that will, will take place within our lives. No condemnation. You stand before God in Romans 8.1. You can look over there. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more. It's been totally taken away. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm like. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm still sinning. I'm still struggling. No condemnation. There is a work to do. He talked about repentance this morning. What is godly Repentance. There is this process, but there is no condemnation. It has been paid for by Christ. Peace. Do you know the peace of God in your life? In this troubled world, everything is crazy, haywire. Peace. I give you peace for all times, for all situations. And if you look, Paul is constantly, how does he start his letters off? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. 
grace and peace. He does that because that's been purchased. That's been given to us. It's, it is a reminder. Live in this. Live in this. This is what has been given to you. Secondly, through Jesus, we stand in grace. Last week, Pastor Isaac preached out of Ephesians 1. They read out of it again this morning. I'm going to read it again because this is one of my favorite words in Scripture. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. This grace, we stand in grace. We're not just saved by grace. We also stand in this grace. And it's not just grace. It's the riches of His grace. Unlimited. Just lavish, just constantly being poured out. They talked about the, the, the prodigal son this morning and, the, and the, the actions of the father. And he wasn't mad. What did he do? He just kept lavishing love on him. Grab this. Go kill the fatted calf. We fix and celebrate. And I mean, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And he thought, if I can just go back and be a servant, that will be great. And his father is just continually just lavishing this, this love on him. And this grace that is being given to him. That is us. That is us. We have been given by Christ and what He has done. We are, God has lavishly poured out His grace on us. And not just at this moment. Every single day of our lives you cannot go and exhaust this. You can't. What is grace? What is it? This is where it's fun in ABF because we have interaction and I die for interaction what is grace? It's a multiple things. Is it not? But, but, but part of it, the main part of it, it is power. It is the power of God given to us. It's merciful in times. It's, it's multiple things, but it is power. This grace is the, the, the power that took us from dead to life. Old man, dead. New man. New life. That's grace. You've been saved by grace. It's the power of God. That kind of power. You could do nothing for yourself. You were dead. And He lavished His grace on you and He brought you to life and caused you to breathe. And a new heart starts beating. And these are the things that He purchased for us. Forgiveness of sin. For the sin in the past, for the sin right now, and for your sin in the future. He has grace for the forgiveness of our sins. He never comes up short. Never goes lacking. Matter of fact, I would say most of the time, we don't even hardly ask for grace. You start your day off, and in Paul, and like his letters, every time, peace, grace. Grace, peace. This is the thing that is given to us, and it's power. That's powerful to live your life in peace with God. And His grace Giving you everything. Paul in his struggle, what did he do? He asked God, take this away from me. Three times he just goes to the Lord, take this away from me. Uh-uh. Nope. Because you're going to know me in a way that grace will be sufficient for everything that you need. And he's doing a work in Paul. This word stand. Stand in this grace. Every day, the way that we live, we stand in this grace. 
This word has a connotation of like deep-rooted. Deeply rooted, firm in God's power. In God's power, not our power. That's what grace does. Allows us to come and you stand. I was born and raised and lived a long time in Florida. We have hurricanes down there. And usually you have a lot of water that comes with the hurricanes, even before they get there. You have a lot of trees and palm trees and stuff, but you have pine trees and you have oak trees. And pine trees don't do a whole lot for you. They just kind of grow straight up. They drop pine cones, pine needles, and horrible pollen in March. And they grow tall. They don't even provide a lot of shade. They're just not seemingly worth a whole lot. Oak trees, gorgeous, massive. Water oaks, they're big. You can put swings on them, you know. There's canopies of these things. Well, when the hurricanes come, the way that th- these trees grow, the, the pine tree has this, what they call a tap root. And it just goes straight down. And it just continues to go straight down, straight down. The oak trees who look all impressive and big and massive and provide all this stuff, their roots go out more on the ground. They don't go real deep. So you see the hurricanes come through. You may see a pine tree where it got snapped off at the top, but it's still standing. It's deep-rooted. The oak tree, they're the ones that blow over, and the whole base comes up with it. We are to be like that pine tree, deeply rooted into our heart. This grace, we stand in this grace. This power is given to us. It is in us. It is For us, it is God working in us by this grace, learning to stand firmly. Again, we're coming. We're approaching through these verses. Tribulation's coming. Trials are coming. He's doing this work, and He's given us this for our lives in Christ. This is what Christ has also purchased for us, along with multiple other things. But this morning, this is what we're focusing on. This is who you are. As we were talking about this morning earlier, our identity in Christ, that is a huge deal when you're walking and you're, you're helping people and you're counseling folk, what you think your identity is, or men, we build our identities around our work, or whatever it is, sports, you just, what is your identity? Our identity is in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. I've been made new, and this is what he's done for me. He's given me peace, and he's covered me, and he lavishes me with grace so that I have the power to be able to do the things that he calls me to do. And to live in a ways that reflect Christ who is in me. So we're learning. We want to be like pine trees, like great redwoods in California. They go through fires and you can cut through them and you can see where they went through a fire and they just kept right on going. They were still standing. That's the grace. That's what it is to stand. This is what Jesus has done for us. The third point. Through Jesus we exult. I don't know what your translation may say. Rejoice. Boast. Celebrate. I love the word exult. It's just kind of like you don't use that this day and age. Did you exult yesterday? That's what it is, though. It's celebrating. It's to rejoice. 
in the hope of the glory of God. How do we do this? How do you exalt? How do you celebrate in the hope of the glory of God? Well, first you've got to see the glory of God. You've got to be able to know what that is. And then you have this hope that comes from what you see in the glory of God. And then we exalt in that hope in the glory of God. So what is, where do we see this glory? There's, again, we're looking at one aspect of it today. It's hard to even go through what is the whole glory of God, but mainly, you know where we see it? It's in the gospel. It's in the gospel of what God has done and the plan that he set forth from before all time and sending his only son so that these things could take place, so that we could be reconciled to God. We're all born sinners. There's no hope for us. No hope for us if God doesn't do this work. It is absolutely glorious beyond imagination. We should dwell on it. We should focus on it. We should seek after it so that we can result in, 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 in rejoicing and celebrating. We see this in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus for sinners. When you read this in your Bible and you see this is what God has done in, in, in the lavishing in the whole story, even out of Ephesians 2, this glorious gospel, have you gotten used to the gospel? Don't get used to the gospel. Do not get used to your salvation. You should be overwhelmed. And the more you see this and you, you see these passages of Scripture and this gospel, and it just explodes and explodes and explodes and explodes, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's part of the, hey, is your gospel too small? If not, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you see things. I hope you dwell on these things so that your gospel does explode. And then you see, hey, this is who I am. This, when you know these things, should change the way we live. That's theology. You can learn a lot of theology, but if it doesn't change the way you live, not good theology. Theology should change the way that we live our lives. It should drive us. And you're seeing this is the gospel message. God's glory shines through the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 Four through six. You can just write those down. You don't have to turn to them because I'm for sake of time. I put them all on one sheet. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and in ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You look in the face of Jesus Christ, grab hold of his face, you stare into it when you see it in scripture and you just desire it with everything that you have. And you'll see this is the glory of God. You look at the life of Christ and all that he has done. There is the glory of God according to the scriptures itself. 
2 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 17. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Again, it is, the, it is the glory of God. You see those things. This is what He has done for us in this gospel. Oh, I hope your gospel is bigger when you leave here today. These are the things that He has worked out. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. This is why God is doing what He's doing, and we see this glory, and He's changing us from glory to glory. That's the other part of the reason. This is why he's given us these things. We have this. We, we can, this can be accomplished in us as we follow him and we trust him and we love him. And you see this glory, it should change us. And God's wanting to change us. Wanting to change us into where you see his, he sees his glory within us. To make us just like Christ. Just like him. When we see this, nothing too hard nor pain too great that would bring us to the glory of God. Nothing I face would be too hard. Nothing would be too difficult such that I, my longing and my desire to bring me to the glory of God. So you look at it, it, Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. God longs for us to exult in this glory and it to change us and, and, and create this glory in us. Philippians 3.7 and 8, where we have been and we've already come to this passage, but again, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. We hope in this glory. The gospel grants us so much more than just immediate relief. It's not just a ticket to heaven. If that's what it is, you've missed it. You've missed it. This is what it is. This is why God saved you. And you said in Ephesians 2, for he has created us for good works. So that we will be like him. And he's given us peace so that we don't have to worry. When we go to him, we have perfect peace with him. Approach him any time as my father. Grace, deep rooted in my heart. Given to me every day. Lavished on me. There's grace given to us we don't even know about. Such that I seek this and I see his glory. And I see in the face of Christ and in the life of Christ. This great glory and it's like, yeah, 
I want that more, more, more. Do that in me. Forsake the things of this world we get so pulled away so easily. You count all things as lost for the sake of Christ? I don't know if I could write that. When you really see and taste this for what it really is, you will set your hope in it. You will set your hope in the glory of God, in the gospel and the work that he is doing and accomplishing, in the love that he has given to us. Nothing compares with it. All is lost. As you think about exulting, rejoicing, celebrating, caused me to think, I don't know, Vietnam War, I just missed it when I came out. I didn't have to sign up for the draft. Then there was these bracelets that went around for POWs and MIAs, those who were prisoner of war or missing in action. Had the guy's name on it, his rank, lady, whatever it was. Um, date they went missing. And there would always be some sort of update just to try to keep it before the public, to think about these and say, hey, don't forget, no one left behind. And Debbie had one of these. And so a lot of times you just never heard. Other times it would be three or four years, five or six years, and all of a sudden somebody would get a call and say, hey, Your husband is alive. Or your son is alive. You'll be able to meet him on this date at this place. And then there's this period of time that took place. And really, until you got there, and held on, and knew, like this is what took place. It was the news that stirred in you. And the, the, the knowing of this loved one that is alive. This is the gospel. You're dead. You hear this good news. And you hear, he's alive. He's done this for you. And you're going to go and see him one day. And you saw those embraces where they would run across a tarmac or whatever and embrace and this is like, this is what the gospel does in us. And it works in us, this love and this passion for Christ and for God. By the peace that we have with him, I don't have to fear him. And whatever it is, I can run to him and embrace him. He's given me grace to be able to endure those things. And that changes everything. Your hope is changed. That's why you're exalting in your hope. What is our hope? Oh, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live a life for Him because it is deserving of everything that I have. He gave it all. He left heaven to come down and to take on the form of a man and the form of a servant. He humbled Himself. Took our penalty. I should be the one. We should be the one on the cross receiving the wrath of God. 
He's done that for us. Yes, absolutely, you should celebrate. You should exalt whatever word, rejoice. Look at what He has done for us, been given to us in Christ Jesus. God set this in place. Man, you should just celebrate. Don't get used to your salvation. Don't let your gospel grow small. It is massively big. Do you love the glory of God? Do you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? Pursue it. Then he comes to this, and it's always kind of funny, because I don't know what your says it may say something else, but, and not only this. So there's like this, you know, okay, so it gets better. It's like, it's not, is it really possible? I don't know, you know, um, some translation may say more than that. It seems like an ESV translation may say that. Um, what could be more than that? But here's the fourth one. And not only this. Through Jesus, we celebrate in our tribulations. Do you like to celebrate in your tribulations? Or your sufferings? You trials, you find that there is celebration in those things where the difficulties come. This is part of why God has given you these things because they're going to come. Tribulation is coming, trials are coming. It's God's way, it is His method. It is how he works in our lives to bring these realities, tribulations. Why? Do you ask God why? Why? Are you punishing me? You can't ask that. He's not punishing you. You're at peace with him. He's not at war with you. He may discipline you, but he's not at war with you. He's not doing this in you for that kind of reason. He's doing this because he loves you. We don't think that way. This is why we preach. This is why we encourage one another because we don't always think biblically. We immediately say, why'd you do this? This happened. All of a sudden, this day came and this happened. I'm like, what are you doing? Do you not love me? We ask questions like that, do we not? Why are you doing this? I'll tell you why. It's right here in the scriptures. Tribulation greatly strengthens our hope. Tribulations come. What are you going to hope in? As a Christian, all I got is the Lord. That's where my hope goes. And what does God want? He wants more hope. He wants to see you grow in that hope. As you look and see the things that He has done. Tribulation works patience, perseverance by the powerful grace that He has given to you. You see how these things, he's given you these things so that we can go to him. We have this power that lives within us and that we can, we know that we can persevere. I can be willing to wait. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. Will you really? Will you? Through the storm and through the night, I will wait for you. 
Because what is he doing? He's building that perseverance in us. Why? So that we wait. And the more that you do that, the more you are the ones who get the song in the night. The greater the experience that we have in God. When we want it fixed, I want it changed today. Okay, well, I'll give you the six o'clock. Patience. What is God doing? You want to ask why? This is what He's doing. He's working in you. He's building you up. He's strengthening you. He's causing you to live in this grace and in this peace and in this power of His glory. And He's changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. In all of this, and He takes and He brings this trial and tribulation into our lives and He's working. He's testing. He's improving. It's just like our gifts and being exercised. The more you're exercised in it, the greater you get. The greater you grow. The more we come like Christ. Metal is strengthened by the heat of the fire. Oh, he wants us to experience him in this and to know him. I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I know what you're doing. Because I know what you are doing. He's not punishing you. He's trying to make you just like himself. He wants to see his image in your face. We want to look into the face of Jesus. He wants to look in our face and see Jesus. More and more of Jesus in us. Doing this great work in us. And patience. The working of patience. Perseverance. Perseverance brings proven character. Proven character. Tribulation proves our own sincerity, who we are. Our character grows as God does this. What shines out of us is more like we don't get angry. We don't do sinful things. We don't demand God is working in us and improving our character so that our character is like Christ. That's what he's developing. He's proven our character. And when we look and we see, what is your character? What comes out of us? We're in this how people change and we focus on the heart a lot. And that's what God is focusing on. He's trying to show proven character. When I press you and when I put you into the tribulation, what comes out of you? What comes out of Christ? Oh, on the cross, God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What character comes out of us when God puts us in patience, in in perseverance, experiencing patience, and this proves the character of, man, the world should look at us and go, dude, you're different. They should see a noticeable difference in us. And then he says, the love of God is poured out into our hearts. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. God's love has been poured into your hearts. I think that the God's love covers this whole section of Scripture. It's not just this tacked on 
but it's what in the Holy Spirit did we get peace. We got, we got grace in the power and the glory that we see in the transformation and the trials and tribulations and going, God's love, what is he trying to do? He's trying to draw out of us the love of God that's been poured in there to give to others. You can go through this trial and tribulation and God is doing this work in you and He's already put His love in you. It's there. He's trying to get us so that we demonstrate, we give the love that has been given to us out to others and we have it. We have it. He wants us that we walk with Him and we choose and yes, I will love in ways that I have been loved. It's kind of like the scripture says, hey, you must forgive as you've been forgiven. You cannot not forgive. Not a believer. You must forgive as you've been forgiven. We must love as we have been loved. And it doesn't take but just for a second for me to just like cop an attitude with my wife. I won't walk in this. I want to walk in this. I don't want to see those things in my life. I don't want to see irritations come. What am I going to do when a real trial comes? When real tribulation comes? What are we going to do when we suffer for the sake of the gospel? Most of our suffering and tribulations is stuff. The world... It's not because I've taken a stand for the gospel and they're coming after me. But I'll be like Paul and I'm going, no matter the cost, it's all rubbish. I'm going there. And I'm going I'm to keep my eyes set on Christ in the face, in the glory of God. And I'm going to hope in that. And all the while, God has given us this stuff in justification so that he can use it in us and then puts us in the trial so that he grows it in all of us. So that that taproot just keeps going down, 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 and we will stand and weather whatever it is that God decides to bring our way. For the sake of his love and for his glory, absolutely. Oh, the love of God that has been poured into our hearts so that He can take that and He brings that out in us as we walk through these things. We experience grace, peace, hope, perseverance, proven character. The love of God that has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God in His wisdom knows this would never happen in our prosperity. Or as we talked earlier, our comfort, the idol of comfort. That's what I want. Don't put me in the fire. I'm good. I show up on Sunday. I go to community group. I try to love like I'm supposed to. There's so much more. Our gospel needs to explode into living a life like this and tapping into those things as we walk in the Holy Spirit. That's what God has given to us. 
in this justification. Application. This week, each day, strive, exult, rejoice, celebrate, boast. And one of these results of our justification, one of these aspects of our justification, peace with God, grow in grace, hope in the glory of God. And if the tribulation comes by the Holy comes by the Holy Spirit that is in you, look to grow in perseverance and proven character and hope. By God's love that's been poured into our hearts. This week, each day, exalt, rejoice, celebrate, boast in at least one aspect. Peace with God. Grow, stand in grace. Hope in the glory of God. And if tribulation comes... By the Holy Spirit, grow in perseverance, proven character, and hope in God. That is who we are. That is an extension from this morning. That's our identity. And there's a part, it's like, you, you don't want it to be like, hey, come on, why are you living like that? There's a part of me that's my tendency. What are we doing? It's like we're just kind of, Flitting around and we get tossed around to and fro, here and there. Oh, and it's like, well, look what we have. Look what's in us. Look what has been availed to us. All of this has been given to us in the salvation that Christ purchased. I don't want it to discourage you. I don't want it to make you feel guilty. I hope that it will build your hope as we grow in grace together. This is why we meet. This is why you have a body. I was talking to somebody earlier. It's important to be in a church. It's important to be in community because I have to encourage you in these things. We need to encourage one another in this life. It's not natural to us. This is supernatural. Supernatural. If you're not a Christian today, you need to... Lean over to somebody and say, hey, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about this gospel. Because there's, there's wrath that's resting on you. And you're an enemy with God and you won't win. You won't make it. And we long for nothing more for you to, to, to see Christ in all of his glory and say, yes. Yes. I'll take him. Let's pray. Father. Thank you so much for this gospel that is so deep and rich, so abounding. And this is just, just scratches the surface. We could stop on each one of these and even go deeper and deeper and to learn more and more and to try to, 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 to continue to make application and in, in, in working these things out, working our salvation out in you. Thank you that you're so loving and kind. You never... You never come after us. You don't to beat us down, berate us, whatever. You're just constantly in love. And you've given us these things and the riches of your glory that's endless, endless to us. Oh, help us to see those things, taste those things, such that it changes us and it gives us a hunger and we can't get satisfied by anything else. Oh, we love you. 
Thank you so much for saving us. We know, we know better than, than, than anyone. We are so undeserving. This is not possible. I would have never done this if you not come after me and chose me and you, you called me. You give us that faith and we respond in that faith to you. And yes, we see it. We love Jesus. Thank you so much for all that he accomplished for us. Lord, we love you. Change us. Change us because we were here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.